Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rogue Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back after Sunderland's first victory of the season. We won 2-1 against Rotherham at the Stadium of Light. I'm over the moon. I predicted it on the Friday Night Live. I said 2-1. I said we concede, but we'd get two goals. I think on the preview pod though I did say 1-0. So <laughs> I was, I'm taking my second prediction rather than my first one. But yeah, we won and joining me to revel in this victory is Martin. Hiya mate. Hello, mate. Yeah, first um, appearance of the season on the pod for me yeah. and our first three points, so can't be too bad. So we're banning Craig because ban Craig. Craig's a, obviously, but yeah, yeah he's, he's bad luck. Um, <laughs> we can't ban Chris because you know he's been he's been around a bit longer than uh, most. But yeah, we'll we'll ban Craig anyways until the next time we lose and we need somebody on to to whinge. But no, we won. I mean, that's the first and most important thing that we want to talk about here is that. Sunderland actually won a game and I wasn't bothered how we won it I just wanted to win a game I wasn't bothered whether it went in off you know someone's arse whether it was a fluky penalty a dodgy offside call I just wasn't bothered how we won this game so for us to win with a little bit of style actually was quite nice wasn't it because I thought although the first half wasn't a great half of football generally you know the two teams it was it was very messy the second half I think we dominated and deserved it and we'll go right into the performance obviously but just first and foremost, mate, how, how do you feel with three points on the board? Are you, are you relieved? I, I think relief is the overriding emotion, isn't it? After the uh, after the first mm. two games of the season where we probably probably should have got more points than um, than zero that we that we did. But that was just one of those games on Saturday, wasn't it? That, as you say, it doesn't, didn't really matter how we got the three points. We just need three points because we've got a tough run of fixtures coming up after this. I think Rotherham were awful. And I think they'll go down this season, or if, if they don't go down, they'll be bloody close to going down. So, you know, I, I think it's kind of important not, not to get carried away with it, but it's three points. And yeah. as you say, there was signs of a bit of style in the second half, which were, were pleasing to see. Yeah, and like you say, you know, Rotherham are going to be down there. What was the stat coming into this? They had the worst away record in the league. It was it 14 games or something that they hadn't won in. Ah, and is. yeah, Craig pointed that out on the pod as well. And. <laughs> I was, yeah, you know, normally, normally though, Martin, let's be honest, when a stat like that comes up involving Sunderland, <laughs> we lose. It always seems to happen, doesn't it? But yeah, I mean, I, I think generally the performance was was very good. I think that we passed it well. You know, we were lacking that little bit of impetus up top, but that, you know, comes as a result of the of the team we picked. And we might as well start with that, I guess, you know, 
how did you feel when you saw the starting eleven? Because when I saw it, I, I was disappointed, if I'm honest. I didn't agree with the way that Mowbray had picked the team the week before in going with the same system. We're playing like a half-fit Bradley Dack that is the most forward player. And he did the same again in terms of the actual personnel, but the setup was different, wasn't it? So it wasn't necessarily about the 11 players in that during the game, we started with Dak pretty far forward. And then I think he quickly realised we're probably going to be better off with Job up there because Job can win headers, Job can hold it up. Uh, Dak's more effective ratting around and getting involved and getting on the ball. He's, he's, not, he's not exactly like Ahmad, but he's that type of player in that he wants to be on the ball, he wants to create things. So, I mean, the team selection, it, it did appear a little bit odd, but given that Hamia started for the 21s during the week, were you surprised he wasn't playing? It, there was a few sort of questionable choices, I guess, wasn't it? I think I'd expected Hamia to be given a start for a couple of reasons, really. One, because we were at home. I could, I could kind of understand the selection last weekend because you were away and you know, the, the game might open up a little bit later. But when you're at home in a game like we had, fixture like we had against a, a team that's going to be down there, I was I was really surprised Hamia didn't get a chance from, from the off, you know. He looked good in pre-season. And I actually didn't think he was mm-hmm. he was terrible against Ipswich. He had a, a quiet-ish game, but he wasn't he wasn't awful, was he? No. So I, I was surprised with him not starting. And like Danny Bart was the other one that was talked about and, and Pritchard, but like Pritchard was kind of ruled out really by Mowbray on Thursday or Friday, wasn't he? He said until Pritchard's future's kind of sorted out, he would be on the bench and then would see what, what happens after that. So I wasn't yeah. expecting Pritchard to start, but I thought, I guess it was a school of thought with, with Danny Bart, whether he would start given sort of Rotherham's aerial threat and playing against Eugle. I guess if, if he had started Bart, he's kind of saying that what, everything he was saying about 9 and the reasons for 9 starting the centre-half last week weren't actually good reasons. So I think he probably had to stick with, <laughs> with 9 really, at the centre-half. And I think, as it turned out, that was a, a good call. Yeah, definitely. I think 9 was fantastic. I think he he was, other than probably Bellingham, my, I would have said my man the match. I thought he was great. I, you, yeah. I just thought he did everything right. It was a proper answering your critics performance. And we'll come on to it, but after we conceded the goal, even though really the goal had nothing to do with them, people were singing Danny Bart's name yeah. in the stadium <laughs> around me. And I'm, I'm like, oh. But 9 followed that up by playing fantastic. I reckon if Bart had put in the performance that 9 has so far this season... Everyone would be saying, God, Bart had a good start the season. Because yeah, exactly. He's mm-hmm. he's actually played well in, in the game so far. Yes. But like Dak's been an interesting one, hasn't it? Because he's he's clearly not fit. And you can you can see it after five minutes. He's he's not fit, he's not mobile enough yet. But he's you can yeah. tell he's a good player. And I, I reckon he's he's in there for, for his experience. And I think Mowbray has just chucked him in there because the rest of the team needs a little bit of leadership, and especially with the likes of Pritchard and Bart not in the, in the starting eleven, I reckon Mowbray is kind of going. Okay, we, we know he's not fit. We know he's going to need to get up to speed, but he can provide a little bit of of leadership. Yeah. He can take control of the ball, and like that first twenty minutes of him up front, he was crap. Like nothing stuck. <laughs> yeah. Like we we couldn't. He's definitely get... not a striker, is he? Nah. He's never. I don't even think he's a false nine. I think he's very much a player who needs to work in that space between the midfield and the no, front exactly sort of right. three or four players. He wants to be on the ball. He's, he's never going to lead the line. And um, no. But Mowbray knows that. If, if there's a manager in football knows Bradley Dax's game inside out, it's yeah. Tony Mowbray. You know, he knows all about him. That's right. So Mowbray's got him in there to do a job that's based on his his experience rather than his, his ability, or his experience and his ability. But like the team selection for the last couple of games to me 
It's, it's almost seemed like Mowbray going, these are my best 11 players. I'm going to get them on the field and figure it out from there. And yeah, you know, you, you wouldn't have you, you wouldn't have started the season saying Belling was going to play up front against Rotherham, like no, that, that no. can't be in plan A. <laughs> but it you know, fortunately, <laughs> it worked out well. And I tell you what, he he looked like a striker. Like if if we bought somebody from overseas that we'd never heard of before, and saying this is a centre forward, and that was his first game, you'd be going bloody. We've got a good centre forward in our hands here because he he was superb. He was holding the he ball. Was. He was winning headers. He was linking play up, and he scored two goals. Yeah. And like that, he's talented. Like my mate sat behind us at the game, said, um, and, and he was right. And I said, I'm going to mention this on the podcast because it's a good line. It's a ninety percent of being a centre forward is having good movement. And yeah. if you watch Bellingham's movement around the box, he's he, it's just it's an uncoachable knack that not many players have got in that they just know where to be at the right yeah. at the right time, and in both instances of those goals, that's what that's what he was doing. And it wasn't wasn't just the goals either. There were other chances, there were other opportunities. Well he had two, didn't he, in the second half? Yeah, there were other phases of play where even where he didn't get the ball, where where I just watched his movement around the penalty spot. And 17-year-old, that's the other thing you've got to kind of remember yeah. as well. No, He's a monster, isn't he? He's absolutely massive. And you know, and yeah, I, I think that's a great point what you've just made there is that if we'd signed him as a striker, you would have been looking at him and thinking what a player we've got in my hands. So it, it it does bode well. And I thought like even last season in similar circumstances where we didn't play with a striker and stuff, it it forces your, the players you do play to take ownership. And I guess that's what Bellingham did. And for a 17-year-old to be doing that, I mean, you know, he's got some strong genes. I don't want to go on about his, uh, <laughs> his brother too much. The same as me, you'll have heard Bellingham speak, Job that is. You'll have heard him speak and you just, you look at him, you hear him, the way he talks, you know, how articulate he is. It's weird, 17-year-old, to yeah. be that sort of ready for first-team football. And I got, you know, a little bit of stick for saying it on Twitter and stuff, but I thought he, in the two games before this he played well. He faded. He definitely didn't end the games as well as he started them. But I, I thought, he, I think, he's, you know, he's had a cracking start of the season. And I'm really glad Mowbray's stuck by him and that he's played him in all three games because he could have quite the easy thing would have been to take him out of the team play Pritchard play somebody else you know and he hasn't they've looked at him and went no we need to, we need to give this kid games because he will improve quickly and that's what we've seen here he was loving it when he was celebrating those goals he must feel 10 foot tall and you know a lot of the Birmingham fans when we signed him said he, they didn't think he was ready they didn't think he was up to much but coming to Sunderland it's a big move you know, he's, he's been, and it's, it might sound daft, but he's given, been given a proper shirt number. He's got number seven on his back and he's moved away from a club where he's, he's always been so comfortable into a new environment, a bigger club with bigger expectation. And like, that's going to improve him anyways. He's going to have to up his levels. He's going to have to improve. Just, yeah, over the moon with how Job played. It's funny because on the, on the site, I do the um, start and 11 before every game. And I actually thought we might start him on the bench. I thought Hamir would start, and I thought he's not going to drop Dak. I thought Dak would be behind Hamir in that sort of link role behind um, the striker and in between the, the midfield. So I was glad I got that completely wrong because I thought he was superb. <laughs> and it was interesting listening to Mowbray after the game, wasn't it? Because he was just saying like he's an absolute dream to coach because he always he's always asking questions. He's always wanting to understand more and do more and understand his role in the team and what the manager wants from him. And he's always asking questions to enhance his knowledge and all that sort of stuff. 
and he's smart. Like you listen to him after the game as well yesterday. He is switched on. He is smart. He's intelligent, and he's he's almost unfortunate that he is Jude's brother in a way because the, <laughs> the comparison's always going to be there, isn't it? And yeah. you know, yeah. he's he's the reality is he's probably never going to live up to what Jude has done so far. But you never know. I hope he does. I hope he does. We might get a couple of hundred million for him if he does. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just keep saying it. Whatever it is, I think he's got it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very happy he's he's part of our squad. But yeah, the rest of the team, like I say, it pretty much picked itself. You were always going to go with that back five, Patterson, the same defence. Um, Ekwon, Neil in midfield. We don't have any other central midfield players. Um, on that, how do you think they played? Because I felt when we played a Preston that probably the most disappointing aspect of the performance was was the centre midfielders. But I thought Dan Neil had a cracking game. And I thought, well, he was not as good as I've seen him, but he played okay. How do you feel they played? It's funny because I must admit, I'm, I'm not Dan Neil's biggest fan. I think he's good, but I don't think he's great, right? And because of that, I've been watching him really closely this season in the three games so far. And I actually thought Preston he had a good game. He was linking things up. He did a lot of the donkey work. And I actually thought he played pretty well at Preston. I thought he was one of the better players. He had a good game against Ipswich. Scored a goal. Almost had a second in, in injury time. And yesterday I thought he had a really good game too. And he's been asked to do a slightly different role this season, I think. Because last season he was the one, yeah. after Evans got injured, he was the one who was sitting back and sort of protecting the, the back four. And this season it seems to be Equa who's who's doing that a bit more than, than Neil mm-hmm. is. Um, so I think as a as a consequence of that, we've kind of seen a bit more from Dan Neal in terms of you know getting on the ball, getting forward, you know, progressive passing. And you know, again, as a consequence of that, we've probably seen Equa's game being a little bit limited compared to what it was towards the end of last season. But you know, we, we've got really high expectations of Equa, haven't we? Because at the end of last season he came in and he was brilliant for Three, four, like five. Yeah, yeah, Turi, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, it was like, well, you know, he went, went from a really low base, didn't he? Because he, he had that he did, game, yeah. it was against Hull away, he gave away a penalty. Ips, uh, Nor- Norwich away, wasn't it, where he came on? He looked as if he'd barely yeah, slept. He was, he was like before. a fish out of water initially, yeah. wasn't he? But then he, he seemed to settle really quickly and, and improve. And he, and it, but his level of performance at the end of last season were right up here, weren't they? So you kind of go into yeah. the new season thinking, well, if he can keep that up, he's going to absolutely dominate. And He's, I think he's done all right so far this season. I think he's been sort of 7 out of 10. He hasn't been the 8s or 9s that we saw at the end of last season. But he's just sort of mm. steady away. And I, say, I think he's been asked to do a little bit more of a defensive role. But I think he's got goals in him as well. We saw one in the first yeah. half, didn't we? He had a long-range shot that the keeper managed to get to. He's got cracking left um, foot on him, and he... He has. And you know, the, I guess it's the lack of depth underneath those two that's a, a concern because if one of them two gets injured or suspended... We haven't really got a great deal else to come in, have we? No, no. And I think Mowbray's talked about that as well. I think once they've sorted out the striker situation, the next priority is going to be bringing in a, an experienced central midfield player. I think he's talked a lot about... I know there was, a, there was a quite a clicky headline the other day. Mowbray wants ex-prem midfielder. And I'm looking yeah. at him thinking, ooh, <laughs> who, who's this player that he wants? So I click on it and listen to it. And what, what he actually, I guess he did technically say that. What he said is he would like to bring in a central midfield player with Premier League experience. He didn't name anybody. But you can definitely say that as the as the solution, I guess, because I personally don't think Corey Evans will ever play for Sunderland again. I think he was probably given an extra year's deal. A bit like what we did with, with Jordan Willis in that he had a really serious injury. Yeah, just and um Yeah, and the club felt obligated, you know, keep look after him, put him through his rehab. 
Evans is still around the squad. You know, he's the captain at the end of the day, you know, so he's still around the squad on match days. Could be getting involved in some of the off-pitch stuff, you know, when he when you know when he's not training and stuff. Maybe he's getting involved in the analysis or even the coaching, I don't know. But we've got to think about what happens on the pitch immediately. And you're right, we need a centre midfielder in there to provide some cover. It was interesting what you said about their work and partnership and that Neil appears to be playing further forward and Equa seems to have dropped a little deeper. On my way out the ground, I um, just randomly got taught this fella on the way out and he, he overheard me saying something about Dan Neil and he he said, um, I think that the, the wrong way around. He was saying exactly what, what we sort of said, you know, he feels that Neil's too far forward and Equa would probably be better further forward. Yeah. So that, the fellow who I was talking to was saying, you know, last season when it was Neil sitting in and Equa playing a bit higher, we felt that we, we were better because Equa's strength is winning the ball high up and, and sort of playing off. And I think I agree with that. I think Dan Neil's best performances for Sunderland were in that, just in front of the back four. And I know sometimes with Dan Neil, the problem can be that he's guilty of overplaying it and he gives the ball away and stuff. But I actually think long-term that's going to be where he fits and that's where he's going to play. And But in this game, to be fair, I thought I thought the dovetailed really nicely. I don't think... He didn't always sit high up the pitch and Equa wasn't always in front of the defence. They kind of dovetailed quite nicely. Like I say, they swapped out. And sometimes they were dropping alongside each other and giving us a little bit more protection. And like I say, you've got to, you've got to caveat that with the fact that we're playing Rotherham and their front line isn't really going to do you too much damage and that you can maybe afford to be a little bit more frivolous, especially when you're, you're the home team and you've got that big pitch and you're on the ball more. But long term... That's definitely the partnership I want to see in the midfield. And I thought Dan Neal was fantastic. I thought, for me, it was a much improved performance. We needed to see that. I know you said you felt he played well at Preston. I felt he went missing too much. But, you know, he's guilty of that because he's a young player. You know, he's, he is still young. We've got to remember he's he's probably only played like 120 games, maybe, tops. You know, he's, like, he's still very much in the infancy of his career. Ekwa even more so. Ekwa's not even probably not even played twenty or thirty games in his career nah, yet. No, so, he hasn't, has he? Yeah, you know, at the minute, yes, I, I I quite enjoy watching them all play. You know, especially with Bellingham in there and and all the rest of it. But I think you know, going forward, we probably need that little bit more experience just to push them. We've got to remember that as well. They're gonna they're gonna tail off at some point, and they need some experience back up. But in this game, brilliant. Thought they played really well and. You know, it set the rest of the team up. But I think when you've got that base, you, you can always sort of rely on 9 and Ballard. Our fullbacks are great. I think we've got the best two fullbacks in the in the league, if I'm honest. I've come to this realisation recently. I just think Sirkin and Hume are so dependable. They're fantastic, both ends of the pitch. The, the, the fit. If Sirkin can stay fit, he's a Premier League fullback. He's gonna be he's gonna end up there at some point. Hume's not far behind him. And like I say you've got that base of, you know, a, a good a good back four, a good midfield. It lets the lads further up the pitch do what they're good at. There were times in the game where where I felt like they couldn't really live with us when we were moving the ball quickly. And that's what you want to see from Sunderland, isn't it? You just want to see us get on the ball, move it around, but also have that killer instinct. And that's what Dak provided, didn't he? I mean, before we get on to Sunderland, obviously, though, we might as well quickly talk about that Rotherham goal. I watched it back just before me and you um, recorded and I was trying to pull it back and work out what went right, what went wrong. So obviously not much went right because we, we conceded a goal. But it was maybe that little bit of inexperience that Ekwa has. He, he gets caught ball watching. Serkin's quite high up the pitch. It drags 9 out of position. And rather than get a little bit fortunate, it, it ricochets off 9s leg. I think that's the third game in a row now where we've um, conceded a goal due to a deflection or a ricochet. Hits 0-9 on the leg. 
plays in, I think it's a Dauphin, and um, he finishes well, to be fair, but I think we're going to probably pick it apart a little bit, and I, I, like I said in the preview pods and stuff, I, I don't trust us to keep a clean sheet at the minute, and I think we need to tighten up at the back, and yeah, it was it was disappointing one to concede for me. It was, and also I think when, when you look at it as well, Ballard didn't get across quick enough either, because Serkin's pushed up a little bit on the left, or Nine's come over to cover him, Equid doesn't come in with his his man and Ballard doesn't come across when 09 comes across so really as a defence you kind of got to move across the, the pitch yeah. as one so we as a consequence of that we kind of had a big gap that was was left and Ballard reacted a little bit a little bit too late 09 you, you know you could argue that he shouldn't have gone all the way across there he could have stayed a yard or two back and held it up or tried to hold it up and he he went went to the ball but I think if he hadn't gone to the ball you'd criticise him for for standing off and and leaving the lad in space, so it was it was not it was a good finish by the Rotherham lad. He took a heavy touch, didn't he? And I thought he actually stuffed it up when he he took this touch, but we we still couldn't get back there. But um, yeah, it, when that goes in, you just you just think, oh, it's it's going to be another one of them days. Yeah, it's, it's the last thing that we want, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly how I felt in the ground. Yeah, and you got that you got that feeling of you look around yeah. and everybody's everybody's looking around and shrugging their shoulders, especially yeah. at home. Like, I always feel we need to score first, make them come at us, and then we get a second and third because yeah. they've got to open up a little bit. You know, and as soon as they scored, you kind of think, right, there's going to be 10 men behind the ball. They're going to time waste. And even with the, the new rules to add stoppage time on, I think the referee had forgotten about that yesterday because we we never got any more <laughs> stoppage time than we, we would have got last season. You know, we're kind of going off the base of 13 minutes in the second half against Ipswich, aren't we? And yeah, he's was... probably think probably think we're not getting paid overtime. Oh, we don't want right. to be doing much more. <laughs> he must have had a, some tickets to go and see a movie or something last night because he wanted to be off yeah. But <laughs> the, the the pleasing thing was how we reacted to that because we we obviously went straight back in and you know that that goal probably came in with what 60, 90 seconds after they'd after they'd scored. Yeah, so something like that, yeah. Such an important goal to get because you don't really want to think about how that game could have gone if we hadn't got that goal shortly after they scored. Yeah, and it was frustrating for me, to be honest, because in that first 20 minutes, I was willing the team to do exactly what they did when we scored. I was like, get it wide, cross it. Why don't we, we were doing too much of the stuff we were doing in the... For me, in the Ipswich game in particular, we had the ball, but we weren't doing anything with it. We were knocking it round. It was going around the box. It was going back into the midfield. It was going out of the full-backs, back inside. All I wanted to see us do was get it wide and cross it and give... Rotherham's defenders and goalkeeper something to think about and it was just a little bit irritating for me that it took us to go behind to do that first time we sort of broke forward Clark does really it's a really good ball from Jack Clark actually um not you know I think the fullback and the the midfielder that go across to try and stop him are expecting him to take it down the line and he gets a touch inside whips it across to the back post Dan Neal makes a great run off his man to head it back across goal and Joe Bellingham's in a, a really good position. It goes back to what I said before. Positioning was fantastic. Yeah. He heads it. He gets a little bit lucky, I think. You know, if you're a Rotherham fan, you may be looking at your goalkeeper there and thinking, God, just if you've got a stronger wrist, that doesn't go in. But it goes through his wrist. It's only a header. It's not like it's a volley from short distance. Yeah. You know, it's a header, but it goes it goes through his hand. Bradley Dack follows it up. And that, that's another good thing about Dak, I guess. He's in the right place there too to follow it up. But... It was already over the line by the time he got anywhere near it, and Bellingham gets his. Uh, I think it's his first goal in league it was football. His first professional goal, yeah, yeah, fantastic for him to, to get that, and and obviously the for the team to get back into it so quickly. And 
after that point, for me, Martin, I felt like we were we were just in the driving seat. I don't think that after that point, Rotherham were really in the game at all. I mean, I, I mentioned it on the preview, like, you know, my partner's side of the family, they're all from Rotherham. So I was talking to them after the game and they were really high on themselves after after scoring and just <laughs> were sort of watching the game thinking, why did we not come back at Sunderland? You know, we, we kind of just sat back and had nothing about yeah. us. But I think we made them look that way. I think we just didn't allow them to have the ball and... I think you're bang on. The timing of the goal was crucial. We had to respond quickly. If that had gone in an extra 10, 15 minutes, Rotherham would have just time-wasted and stopped us till yeah. half-time, and then it would have been a totally different game. So, yeah, a fantastic goal, but the crucial thing was that we got it when we did because we didn't have time to mope about and, and, and sort of think too hard about the fact we conceded. It put us back on an even keel. It made sure that we you know, we were back in the driving seat. We were the team with the momentum, and um, it allowed us to finish the half strongly. You know, I went down at half-time and was talking to my mates, talking about the half, and I said, we'll win this. I've got no doubt. I just felt like we were going to win it. Yeah. It was a strange half, I thought, because in in that first sort of first quarter, I guess, first half of the first half, we we did some good things during the game. I thought Patrick Roberts was quite influential. And Roberts got the ball quite a bit, didn't he? And yeah. There was there was rarely anybody near him to, to for him to play off. You know, last season we got so used to Ahmad being within 10 yards of Roberts and playing little one-twos to open teams up and carve them apart. And a lot of the time Roberts had the ball and he was, you know, going after, you know, going after one defender, going after another. And, you know, like he did at Preston, he, he you know, soared past the left back, got the left back booked pretty early on. And we, we just didn't capitalise on, on that. And I think we, the, the, as a team, because like last season when we had Ahmad in that I guess it's a position that Bellingham's took, isn't it? In that sort of number ten role, if you look yeah, at the, the sort he, sort, of, he sort of shared the responsibility with Dak during the game. Yeah, it was he I, did, but like yeah. the personnel in the team, Ahmad's come out and Bellingham's yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of come in, yeah. in. In my mind, but Bellingham's a completely different player. So Bellingham will sort of operate in that central third more, whereas Ahmad operated in that sort of inside right position, even though Roberts was on the outside right which often meant we could overload on the right-hand side. And we got a lot of the ball to Roberts, but there was actually times where you, we kind of should have got the ball more to Roberts because he had their, their left-back on toast. So we had an awful lot of play going down the right-hand side. On the left-hand side, Sirkin did an awful lot of good work going down the line. I thought in the first half an hour, Clark was not in the game too much. He, he kind of grew into it as the uh, first half went on. As you see, he was involved mm-hmm. in, the, uh, yeah. in the first goal, but I thought he... He kind of looked a little bit half paced for the first 20, 25 minutes. And you got Dak, so he's starting up front. And say for the first 10, 15 minutes, he couldn't keep a hold of the ball. So he ended up dropping back. He was picking the ball up behind the midfield on some occasions, and he was coming over at the right hand side. So he was kind of everywhere. And I think it was, if my memory served me correctly, I think it was after that we'd scored, or was it just before we scored, Bellingham got pushed up and Dak was playing in behind. I think it might have just been yeah. just after we scored. Um, but that made all the difference because it gave us that focal point because Bellingham would stay up front. And say, as I said yeah. earlier, he could hold the ball up, he can link up play. And then all of a sudden, we looked an awful lot better. And I think we just need to figure out that little bit about how we support Roberts when he gets the ball because we need to get closer to him to play a little one-twos with. And the other thing that yeah. that we were doing in that opening period of the first half, which we stopped doing towards half-time in the second half, for a lot of the first half, Trey Hume was doing that thing where he tucks into midfield and again you, yeah. that gap uh, Roberts is operating in becomes wider and wider mm-hmm. after about half an hour he stopped doing that 
and then he was yeah. backing up and trying to overlap. So I think you know we actually figured out a few things on the fly yesterday that should hopefully serve us well going forward. Yeah, that that that's the only not a gripe with Hume because I think I think actually he's been asked to do that and sort of took in. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the one area where Gooch is perhaps a little bit better than Hume is that Gooch always goes beyond Roberts and tries to offer a wide option. I just think yeah. it's more his game because he's actually a winger. He's not really a right back. Where Hume is, you know, very much a modern fullback in that he yeah. can defend, but he can, you know, he's very good on the ball. I guess it's nice to have that variety, but we're, because Roberts always likes to cut inside, I feel like because teams are doubling up on him, we need to have someone down the line more often than not to just provide a wide option and get balls yeah. in the box. Especially when, you know, we, we do have a striker and we do have Ross Stewart back and that, that type of thing. We're going to need to have more of a threat down the sides because, you know, it's not going to be the Patrick Robertson jack Clark show anymore. We're going to have to play for a striker and we're going to have to try and get balls in the box and all the rest of it. And with Bellingham in the, in the side, you know, he, although he's not a centre forward, he is about six foot three, six foot four, and he can head a ball. So, yeah. you know, if you get the ball wide and work in the box and you've got a, a Ross Stewart and a Bellingham hanging around the penalty spot, you're going to be quite a threat from, from those situations. So, yeah, I think, I think you know, although it wasn't a perfect performance, we definitely got better as the game went on. Like I say, in the half time, I felt like we were going to win. Straight after the break, we just carried on as we'd sort of left off and, and, and stayed on top of Rotherham. And um, the goal that we scored came from, we were sort of piling a little bit of pressure on. Their defender doesn't clear it very well. I think it falls to Ekwar who um, I can't remember who he plays it into. It might it might be Jack Clark, actually. You got played in Clark, I think, I think, didn't you? Yeah, and then, then Clark finds um, finds Dak, and the layoff from Dak was outstanding. Yeah. It was like, that's why we've brought him to the club, I think, for those little moments of quality that maybe other players don't have, because it just he just cushions the pass, lovely, straight yeah. into Bellingham's path, who's, again, his positioning is fantastic, and although the goalkeeper has actually stood the right side of where the ball's going, I just think it's a great finish, and he's getting nowhere oh, near it. He finish. bends it, yeah. yeah, in in step, bends it in the bottom, sort of bottom corner area of the goal, and that puts us ahead. And while you're never fully, you're never fully um, assured that Sunderland are going to win a game from being a goal ahead. I actually, on this occasion, felt like we would we wouldn't drop the lead. I just didn't feel like Rotherham had enough about them. I kind of forgot that um, Jordan Hugel was even on the pitch. If I'm honest, you know, there's a player who scored. Hundreds, I think over 100 goals at this level, but we made them look very ordinary. They they didn't have much about them, and it was sort of plain sailing from that point. But like I say, a great another great goal. I think that was probably the the best goal we've scored this season so far. I know there's not been many, but for me, I just really enjoyed the way that it sort of played out in that the pass was great, the finish was great, and it was a good moment. It was, and as you say, we, we just started to build up a little bit of momentum there, weren't we, in that, that finish? It was just... First time, comfortable, confident finish, wasn't it? And as you say, for a for a seventeen year old lad to stroke that home like that was superb. And you know, he could have had three or four, couldn't he? he had the the one blocked where he he kind of kicked yeah. it with his right leg and went off his left, or vice versa. And there was another one that was very similar to his second goal, wasn't it? Where he he just came in the box, stroked it, looked at yeah, it, and the goalkeeper go, saved it. Go him, go in, and it got blocked. So, like, great finish and. You know, that just give give him a load of confidence, won't it? But it'll give the team confidence yeah. as well. And you could kind of see that everybody got a bit of bit of a lift from from that goal. The timing of it was perfect as well, because you know, it wasn't as if we were getting really desperate in the last ten minutes for a winner. It was nicely timed. We still yeah. had an awful lot of 
football to, to play. And, you know, if you're going to have a bit of a gripe, it would be nice to get another two or three goals because we were well capable of winning that three or four one, weren't we? But you know, yeah, we saw it out. And, you know, for usually when we've got goal leads at home, the last 10, 15 minutes, you think, oh, shit, we get everybody behind the ball, defending us. But we never really got to that desperate point, no, did we? We, we managed no. the game really quite well. You know, Pritchard came on, Gooch came on, a little bit of experience to see us home. And, you know, we did it with, that, with you know, the bare minimum fuss compared to some games that we've we've seen. So it was... That was a good good second half. It was, yeah. Uh Hemia got on as well. He had a chance when he pretty much a straight straight away, didn't he? When that he came on. It would have been a, it was, and it would have been a nice way to sort of answer some of the doubts that people have had around him. But yeah, I, I, like we just sort of we saw the game out comfortably and with, with a bit of professionalism. And that's all I want, really. I want to see us win games, be pretty efficient, come out of the game with plenty to take forward. I think you, you you mentioned it there about Bellingham growing in confidence. That's going to do him wonders, like especially considering we've obviously told him you're going to be playing more often than not. Yeah. Started the first three games, but he's got to prove his place as well, especially with players like you know Dax around the team. Once we sign a striker, he's going to be directly competing with Dak. I know Chris Riggs injured at the minute, but Riggs done an awful lot to sort of put himself into the conversation yeah. too. So while Bellingham's been given that starting berth at the start of the season, he's got to earn his place as well. And the best way to do that is to do exactly what he did there, is to score goals. And I think, you know, going forward, we're going to see more and more of that from him. I think from watching the way he plays, and again, I'm going to mention his brother, but his brother's a goal a goal scoring midfielder. He's very much of the same mould in that I've, he can finish. He's got a good finish on him and he likes to hang around the box. And I just think in the way that we play, he's going to get goals this season. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he finished with seven, eight goals this season, maybe more, if he plays more well, often than not. He could easily have five Got so far this season, couldn't he? That's it, yeah. He's he's had plenty of chances, and like I say, providing he, he he keeps providing, really, you know, he's got to have some sort of output. He'll play more often than not, and he will get goals, and he will he will be around the team. So, just a a really positive performance for me. This is exactly what I wanted out of this game. I didn't I didn't expect to see you know us at our best, our you know sort of like pressing away last season, where we were just absolutely ruthless. And we're not quite at that stage yet. But what I wanted to see was just us to win, obviously win the game by hook or by crook. But if we could dominate and sort of remind people we're a good team, because a lot of our own fans have doubted this team in the last few weeks because we've had a bad start. And it was interesting for me that the likes of Ballard, Ekwar, Mowbray as well in his press conference were all at pains to point out we've actually played pretty well in these games, even though we've lost. We've been a little bit unlucky and we're not far off from where we want to be. And I think this is a good a good stepping stone into that because we've actually got some pretty tough games coming up in my opinion you know you've got Coventry away Southampton have had a good start we had to get a win sooner rather than later just to relieve ourselves of that pressure right and and make sure that we we go into these games with some momentum and takes the pressure off a bit like I say so happy days right I mean I thought it was pretty much perfect from my perspective in that we just had to get the win we had to do what we needed to do which was obviously get the three points but backing that up with some good goals and some good football and I'm over the moon. Yeah, look, the the, the win was the, the most important thing, wasn't it? And, you know, the two games that we played prior to, to this in the league, play those games 10 times each and I reckon seven or eight times out of 10, we'd, we'd get three points out of both of them. So we haven't had a bad start performance-wise, but the points tally is obviously the thing that everybody looks at. And it's, you know, ultimately it's the only thing that matters come the end of the season. So yeah. 
if you'd kind of dotted those two games at any other point in the season, you just kind of go, wow, we're unlucky today, and you move on to the next game. But because you start the season off, and we obviously all want to get off to a good start of the season, the results become more important than the performances might be. But you know, I think we've got you've, you've got this funny scenario as well, haven't you, where the, the position that we finished in last season kind of clouds your perception of what last season was. So you go, okay, well, finishing the playoffs, maybe a bit unlucky not to, to get through against Luton in two legs. And you're looking at the bigger picture now. You're looking back at last season in the bigger picture because we finished sixth. But, you know, we, we went through spells last season where we, we lost a few games in a row. We went through spells where we weren't great. And it was that good run at the end that really got us from a mid-table position into a playoff position. So yeah. we, we're not going to transform into a team that wins every game overnight. We're never, you know, in the, in the championship, you're never going to be a team that wins every game. And, you know, hopefully this, this result gives us a little bit of a platform to build on. But like, in, the reality is, if we can get... I'd be happy with two points out of the next two games, mate. Like a point away at Coventry, a point at Hope and Southampton, mm. that wouldn't be the worst re- no. result in, yeah. in the world at all. And then you're looking mm. at the start of the season, five points out of five, not the best points return, but it gives you nice, again, gives you a nice little base to build from. Exactly. So, you know, we, we've got to kind of look at it as a, you know, a whole season rather than lurching from one game to, a, to another and letting ourselves get too high or too low based on, on what happens because, you know, we've got, what, a week and a half, 10 days to... Uh, Transfer window is going to be shut, so there's going to be business that the club wants to do and hopefully can do over the next couple of weeks. And you know, we didn't bring Ahmad in until deadline day or the day before deadline day last year, did we? And it took him yeah, two months like to get that, up to yeah. speed. So you know, there's a lot of things that can happen over the next couple of weeks and over the next couple of months. You know, you're looking potentially getting a couple of signs in. Ross Stewart coming back, hopefully fit, scoring goals, and you know the the whole thing is, is completely different. So the more points that we can pick up over the next few weeks to get us into that position where we can kind of go, okay, well, this is what we've got now for the next three months. You know, if we can get, again, get another two or three points over the next few games, it's not the worst start of the season that we could have had. Absolutely, mate. Well said. Um, we'll round off with some three-word reviews from the Rotor Report Twitter page, or X. I don't even know what to call it anymore, honest <laughs> to God. Um, we've had plenty of replies. Sean Cottrell says, better Bellingham brother. Dan Ray <laughs> says, give him a chance. Ant Watson says, job for England. Steve B, 09 was immense. Joe Lewin says, Roberts, another injury. Didn't mention that, but he went off with something. No, he, he did. Think, what was it? Because like. I couldn't really tell. Yeah, hope. Hopefully it's um, it, hopefully it's nothing much than hopefully he's back for next week. But if it's a if it was actually his hamstring, that's at least two three week jobby, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, that that that's not great. And that'll be interesting as well. Sorry, Gav, because I I've just just had a, a look there, and Bennett's been linked with a loan move away, and the club are going to decide yeah. on his future. Which you know, with if Roberts has got an injury, there's obviously still question marks over Clark. You'd be wanting to keep hold of any other wingers that we've got at the moment because you again we don't know what's um, what's around the corner there. Yeah, well, generally my viewpoint on transfer windows is that you strengthen before you let players leave. Yeah. So you make sure you've got players through the door. And yeah, if anybody leaves, then it'll have to be after we've signed somebody. Gary Armstrong says season starts now. Jill says that felt good. Matt Matt Bennett says Dak to Job. Owen James says, please, not Stansfield. There's another name we've been linked with. <laughs> uh, Anne Caldwell says, relief, patience, optimism. Tim says, striker still needed. Neil says, papered over cracks. <sighs> Junker Junker says, need a striker. I like that name. Junker Junker. Macamanth says, please be won. 
And we'll end off on this one from Stacey Shaw, who says, who needs strikers? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll leave off the transfer talk because I just... It, it, things will probably happen in, in the time between this being recorded and, and going out. I don't want to date it. So, yeah, we'll probably leave that for the preview pod during the week when there's a little bit more um, to talk about in regards to transfers because it seems like things are going to happen, according to Tony Mowbray. Um, as Martin said, a couple of players have been linked in the Sunday papers when moves away. I'm sure it's got nothing to do with their agents. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we'll leave off on that for a few days. Cheers, mate. Thanks for joining us. been Cheers, good Gav. to catch up. Just the listeners, thanks for getting involved and listening and all the rest of it. We will be back with a match preview pod before Coventry, so make sure you subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Catch us on all our social media where you'll find out about that first. And we'll catch you later.